morning, church. Um, so you are all expectant, and I do not want to disappoint because this is God's word that he has given me, and I just want to praise him because I am nothing but he is everything, and God is constantly giving me ideas when I have none. Amen. This is in not only my work, but also here in the church. Amen. Then there's a the thing about the evil one. Will get into the mix as much as he can. There's something about Sabbath morning. I was telling the Sabbath school class this this morning. Sabbath morning, you've had a nice Friday bringing in of the Sabbath. You wake up praising the Lord on Sabbath morning, and the devil doesn't like that. And he's going to send someone or something to pinch you, not slap you down or give you a a nod over the head with a two by four, but just a little pinch to get you irritable. And there goes your joy for Sabbath. And if you continue with that, there goes your blessing for Sabbath. So it happened this morning, and I'm not going to mention what it exactly was in details or um, any names. Um, Big name is named Mr. Small. But anyway, uh, and then there's the technology side. I am not a preacher, and I'm proud to be not a preacher preacher because God has called me to another ministry. I'm a teacher, and I happen to teach technology and teach with technology and also I'm a type of personality and things have to be straight and narrow, right? And on time and orderly. So I thought I was ordered, but like I said, devil gets into the mix. But it's not about me. It's about God because God was straightening out the devil's little pinches. And he uses other ministries. Thank you, Mita Ministry up there, for straightening it out. I appreciate you, Henry, Wilton, and Stanley up there. So thank you, Jasmine, for the song. Caught a bit bit of it about uh, going home. This ties into my message for this morning. And we also had the opening song. I love this song. This is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is a ruler yet. This is my father's world. Why should my heart be sad? The Lord is king. Let the heavens ring. God reigns. Let the earth be glad. Let's pray. Our Father God, through this song, 
through the lyrics of the song, you have taught us, and you constantly, every time we sing it, every time we look at the lyrics, that you are still in charge no matter what is happening around us. Thank you for your Sabbath day where we can come aside from the cares of the world, and it's a wicked world that we live in, and just commune with you so you can reassure us when we look at your promises that you still are in control and we are in your hands. Thank you for these promises. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This is my father's world, but sin has marred it into our misery pit. You know, I refuse. I don't know how some people can do this, but I know people that wake up in the morning and the first thing that they do is they pull out this. They wake up and they pull out this. And the only thing on there is news about tragedies. I like my Sabbaths to be peaceful. But then on Saturday night at 10 o'clock, we do happen to turn on the television and look at the news. And sure enough, the devil loves to use Saturday to bring tragedy upon humans. Just something about that I've noticed. Yes, sin has marred us into a misery pit. But this is not what I'm talking about this morning, the misery pit. I want to talk about what's going on. But I'm going to go back in time, go way back in time, bring us up to the present. You guys know who these guys are? Ice? Okay, Ice, or what is called Immigration and Custom Enforcement Agency. I, I, I couldn't believe this, but then I got to thinking... Okay, it took them a year to do this, but last week they rounded up 680 supposed illegal people in the United States at one company. At one company. So they have been in the news lately. However, sin has caused us all to be refugees. And migrants and immigrants. Well, let's define some of these terms. What is a refugee and when did it begin? So the dictionary tells us that a refugee is a person who flees their country for safety. When did it begin? Of course, we go to the book of Genesis. So, Genesis 3. Verses 23 to 24 tells us that, so he drove out the man and stationed Cherubim on the east side of the Garden of Eden, along with a whirling sword of flame to guard the way to the tree of life. So you're probably thinking, what in the world? 
Okay, this was Eden, paradise, the beginning, and there's a cherubim, and you know that angels are way above us. Cherubims are way above the other angels, but it's not just the angel itself, but the angel has a sword. And it's not just not your Star Wars, you know, sword, okay, light sword. This is a flaming sword that twirls around. Now, what human is going to go through that to get to the tree of life? They won't get through it because they would die. So what happened? We lost our status as citizens of Eden. So that makes us, at the very beginning, refugees. So you cannot, you know, put anybody else down for coming to this country um, and the conditions that they came in because, hey, we all are. Think of the other planets looking at this one. The unfallen worlds looking at this one. Oh, that's a refugee planet over there in the Milky Way galaxy. And that solar system over there. So what is a migrant? A migrant is a person who moves from one place to another, especially in order to find work or better living conditions. When did it first start? Back there in the beginning. Genesis. Genesis 4.16. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain, after murdering his brother, wanted another place so as not to have, I'm thinking, memories of his rebellion. But also he was afraid that somebody was going to do the same thing to him. So God put a mark on him, right? So God's mercy is still at work, and he protects Cain from human punishment. Imagine that. Perfect world, only four people in it that's mentioned in the Bible, right? And then one of them takes out one of them. So now you only have three people left. So it looked like, hey, in our condition in this world, hey, you killed my brother, I'm coming for you, right? And then there would be only two. But no, God had mercy on Cain. Imagine, first murder, God had mercy on him. So it's not actually about us humans, okay, being refugees or being migrants, but it's on how God works with us, how God has worked with us, and how God will work work with us. So God's mercy was still at work there. What is an immigrant? So an immigrant is a person who comes to live permanently in a foreign country. When did that start? Back to Genesis. Genesis 11, 1 to 2 tells us that, and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. Imagine that. I I am studying that. Because my wife and I, we are language teachers, and I love languages and how they got started and what they do and the differences and all like that. But imagine that if the whole earth spoke the, the best language in the world, which would be, um, I was thinking of English. Um, <laughs> No, actually, the language of Canaan, heavenly language. What if the whole world spoke one language? 
Will we get along better? Well, these people in the Tower of Babel time, they seem to have been getting along to build that huge tower. But getting along with your fellow humans does not mean that you're in a perfect world. Okay? Getting along with your family members, with your co-workers, with your church members, okay, with the stranger outside of your gate doesn't mean that you are in a perfect world. Why do I say that? Because the example that we have from the Tower of Babel is that they had forgotten God. They just got away from his promise. Every time they saw a rainbow, oh, how pretty that is. But what was the promise behind it? That God would not destroy the world by water again. Oh, we got to protect ourselves. Yeah, we're all together, huge community. Let's build this tower. We don't need God. We're going to save ourselves with this tower. Self-righteousness, right? Self-salvation, it does not work. Abraham was an immigrant. And a migrant and a refugee. How do we know? Genesis 12, 1 through 4. God called him to leave his country. Okay, so someplace familiar. To leave his relatives. Okay, tight-knit extended family there. Okay, and go to a new land that he knew nothing about. Now, this is unique Because God called him to do that. Today, we have people leaving their native lands for various reasons. Some of them might be that God has called them to come to America, to go to England, or any other uh, Western uh, world. But let's look at what pulls these people. So, push factors. And we have some pull factors. So people will leave their country because there are no jobs there. And one thing that God has given us innate all the way back to Genesis is that Adam and Eve, they worked in the garden. That's innate to humanity, working. So if a human in one country cannot work, they are not feeling totally human. Okay, that's an innate thing. You can't get away from what God has put in them, although we try to. So they might leave for that reason. Of course, war. Nobody in their right mind wants to die. No matter how tough a situation is, people will try to survive through that. So they will leave their country because of war. Famine. Is another reason people are pushed out of their country. Think about the last time you were hungry. Some of you probably did not have breakfast. And uh, it's 1227. So your stomach is a bit upset, right? Because it's telling you it wants food. But that's, hey, we live in this world where, you know, we can easily get three meals a day. Like like um, Trevor was saying, 
this morning, 90% of the country doesn't have what we have. We are blessed, okay? So imagine not having a meal for one day. Not just one meal or your first meal or second meal or third meal, but not having any that day, okay? So famine would drive people, push people out of their country, and they become migrants and immigrants and refugees. Of course, natural disasters will push people out of their country. And we're seeing a lot of that today, and it's increasing. We have been blessed in the United States that we don't have to, you know, go to another country because of natural disasters, the United States being so huge, right? We just go to another state. I saw a movie one time, a sci-fi movie, when I was really deep into science fiction. Um, but it was, uh, we were going into another ice age, and the United States got hit really hard with ice, okay, life-destroying ice. And so people were moving out of the United States down to Mexico, reverse, okay, situation, right, science fiction, okay, Pull factors, better health care, especially for, okay, you have a mother and her child has a, a, a rare disease, that's going to pull her, okay, from her country to come to a country that has better health care because she cares about her uh, children, right? Job opportunities, Okay, like few jobs or job opportunities. Like I was reading in the journey last week, uh, that's the Adventist, um, used to be Adventist Review, review about this guy in um, Ethiopia, uh, near Ethiopia, that studied medical science, but he couldn't get a job, or he wanted, uh, excuse me, he couldn't get the proper education there, okay, to advance. So he came to Loma Linda, okay, to pursue his, his education and to get um, job opportunities also. And then, of course, safety. You know, a lot of women, we've become, in the last year, really focusing on women as second-class citizens in the United States. The women lives matter also, okay? And all these women coming forward with, hey, uh, abuse from males in different areas, okay, in their lives, from school to home to jobs, okay? And they're calling these men out, okay? You can't treat us like that any longer, which is proper. But you know, in some places in the world, that's unheard of. The male population will abuse the women like nothing. Like, for example, the mission part that um, Ms. Solomon was reading this morning uh, about a nine-year-old bride or eight-year-old. I mean, what kind of foolishness is that? How are you going to marry off your daughter and she's only eight? At least wait to puberty, right? But no. Okay, so a lot of people will leave because the daughters or the women are not safe. So this is reasons behind, okay, uh, immigration, refugees, and migrants. 
And when it comes up in the news, I hope that you guys will remember this, that these are just not, you know, thugs and rapists and murderers and, and people of color that we don't want in our country. They are doing this for um, these reasons. But whatever the reasons for leaving one's native land, make sure God is leading. And it's important, I I say, you know, let them come. Because in their country, if they haven't heard of God, I guarantee you, before Christ comes, before they die, they definitely will hear God's name, Jesus Christ's name here in the United States of America. Somewhere, somehow, God would make that possible. Okay, Hebrews 11, 8 to 9 says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the promise. So, We hope that people, if they have to leave for whatever reason, not only going to another country to come to the United States, but hey, what about us here? I look out here at the audience and I see people that that I knew a long time ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 20 years ago. They're not sitting here now. They have moved on. They're refugees from church have moved on to, a, to another church. Hopefully they took God with them. A lot of people leave the church because they didn't like what the pastor said. Now I hope to see you guys next week. <laughs> Not because of what I'm saying, you're going to go to another church, hopefully, okay? Or a brother or sister, you know, irked them in some kind of way or fashion. So, Hey, let me go to another church. Refugees from from church. But hopefully that if you do have to leave to go to another church, that you would take God with you and obey him, continue like Abraham did. Let's look at some more refugees. Joseph was a refugee. Why? It's a person who flees for safety reasons. His brothers were going to kill him. But instead... Okay, his older brother came up with a theory. Hey, let's not kill him. Let's make some money off of this. And they sold him as a slave to Egypt. Okay, he was hated in his homeland, hated by his own brothers. Okay, we find that out in Genesis 37, 18 to 21 and 27 to 28. However, God protected, provided, and blessed Joseph. Why? Because he was the most handsome guy in Egypt? Because he was the most entrepreneur guy in Egypt? No, he ended up in jail because of his handsomeness. But his willingness to obey God and said enjoy sin for a season, right? But God brought him out and protected him. Speaking of enjoying sin for a season, which he did not, Moses was a refugee. We find this out in Exodus 2, 11 to 12 and 15. Moses had to flee Egypt 
because he identified with the oppressed. And how did he identify with the oppressed? By murdering someone. Disobedience. God didn't call him to murder someone. God was going to take care of the Egyptians all by himself. And not just one Egyptian, but the whole nation. So Moses, Moses kind of got ahead of himself. Okay. So, however, now Joseph obeyed God and got into trouble, not on his own, but because of other people, and ended up in prison. But God protected him and blessed him. Moses disobeyed God and had to flee for 40 years away from his family and his people. However, God still protected and blessed him. So this is not about humanity, although I'm talking about humanity. This is about an awesome God that we serve. So even in your disobedience, you come back. God has a purpose for your life. He can protect and he can bless you. That was the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Apostle Paul was a refugee. Early in his ministry, due to harsh religious and political leaders, okay, in Acts 9, 23 to 25, he had to escape from Damascus. Damascus. This is right after his conversion, right? Okay, he thought he was doing God's work by persecuting the Christians or the followers of the way. And on the way to Damascus, God struck him down. Blinded him for three days. Okay, Paul, you're persecuting me. Now I want you to change your life around and obey me and follow me. Okay? And Paul did. Because having an encounter with Jesus Christ. Having an encounter with Jesus Christ. Whether it be magnificent as Paul struck down on the Damascus road or as you just reading a promised text in the Bible and says, oh, Lord, yes, you are real. Your promises are sure. OK, begins a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then he wanted to preach the word, preaching the word. People weren't into that. The religious leaders in Damascus were not into that. And he had to flee, let down by his friends in a basket over the wall. So Moses was a refugee. Joseph, Apostle Paul, Abraham. Okay. High personalities in the Bible. But the highest, Jesus Christ was also a refugee. Imagine that. Our Savior. So we were looking at the Sabbath school lesson this morning, and it says that Jesus, to show us God, went through everything that humanity could go through. Okay, without sin. So he was oppressed. He was physically abused. Okay, he was misjudged. But not just during his ministry, those three years of the ministry towards the end, but even before he, you know, knew 
when he was a baby. So Joseph and Mary fled with Jesus into Egypt. Why? This would be like uh, people fleeing their country because of war. Okay? King Herod's men were out killing. I don't know how you have to be. They say that soldiers are, are really tough. And they are. Until they get injured. Something that happens when your body gets injured, that you start crying for mommy, you start crying for God, making all kind of promises and stuff like that. But when you're killing the enemy, they're tough and they can do it. It's their job to do it, right? But King Herod's soldiers murdering babies to an under did not kill the mothers, did not kill the fathers, the brothers and sisters, teenagers, young men, the babies. Now, we know that Satan was behind that, trying to destroy our Savior. Because if he could have done that, we wouldn't be here. And we would not have chance at it at eternal life. But Matthew 2, 13 and 16, God protected his anointed one. And they left with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They didn't leave empty-handed. Hey, how awesome is our God? What about the children of Israel when they left Egypt? They didn't leave empty-handed. God takes care of us. God takes care of his children. What a wonderful God we serve. Now, let's come to this country. No matter what you hear in the media, no matter what your co-workers or your friends or even some of your relatives tell you, no matter what the politicians are talking about nowadays, no matter what we cannot teach in schools, this country began with these people who left Europe because of religious reasons, no other way. They wanted the freedom to worship God as God dictated in his holy word. So God had prepared a desert for the church, and that was the United States of America. So the pilgrims were refugees that begun this great nation, fleeing Europe due to harsh religious and civil persecution. There were various tribes. You ever heard of Jamestown? They don't know what happened to those people. That was a tribe at establishing a nation here. But after many tribes, it did get established. And I love this part about the Native Americans that were here already, they helped out the pilgrims. What are we doing to help those that are fresh from push or pull to this country from their other countries? What are we doing for them? And that's why I'm glad when Pastor Dilemma brought in the community service to serve them. Sometimes I'm just like, Ugh, when I go into the fellowship hall, Ugh, what's happened to our fellowship hall? But hey, it's better that, looking like that, 
okay, to reach those people recently come to America than to have a nice, you know, empty fellowship hall that's not serving a purpose. And I like this joke. What if this had happened? The, the Native American says, sorry, we're not accepting re- refugees. What if that had happened? But it didn't, thanks to God. So, every Thanksgiving, we commemorate the pilgrims' faith and their camaraderie with the Native Americans here. Okay, so God takes care of and he provides for his own. Okay, he always has... Okay, give you a little bit of biblical history, a little bit of history of the United States, okay? And L.G. White says, lest we forget, let us always look back to where God has brought us so that we will have faith to continue in the future, not fearful that God has abandoned us. He is not going to abandon us. It's more likely that we abandon him than he will abandon us. Can God lie? God cannot lie, scripture tells us. Now, you have heard this if you have not and not seen it, but the Statue of Liberty in the harbor of New York has on this plaque, it's, there's more words than this, but this is the part that most people grasp. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your team and shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden shore. Okay? This nation is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, on this planet because of how God has directed it. Accepting all of these refugees, all of these immigrants, okay, um, all of these migrants from different countries. Now, this is what I'm starting to hear politically wise, and it saddens my heart, because a nation that forgets its God is doomed. So we need to be praying for the political leaders in this country because a lot of them, I don't know what it is. They can't be ignorant. These guys have like four-year degrees in, in university and all like that. How can you be, you know, my wife hates me to use this word, but it, it is so pertinent to what I'm talking about. How can you be so stupid to think that, oh, The United States is just for European immigrants. Where in the world did you get that from? God established this nation because the plan of salvation, this nation is part of the plan of salvation, I believe, because the way it came up. Okay, go to Daniel and Revelations, okay, and and remember or study that and see how the great controversy and see how this nation came about. Okay, it was no other hand that directed it except for God. He wants everybody to hear about the plan of salvation and how his son saves us, not just Europeans. Why is that? 
God desires to take all humanity. Okay, not Europeans, not Africans, not South Americans, not inter-Americans. Okay, not the Jews, not the Greeks. He wants to take all to heaven for a thousand years while this earth is being purified. Jesus Christ is right now preparing us a place in heaven. Okay? Amari, thank you for reading our scripture for today. Revelation 21, 1 to 4. We have it again in John 14, 1 to 3. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to these very important texts as I wrap up my message for today. John, let's go to John first. John 14. John 14, 1 to 3. Now, earlier I was asking Amari, this is such an important text. I was asking Amari, uh, do you have that highlighted in your Bible? Because I was feeling it. I have it highlighted in my Bible. I have it highlighted on my Bible app on my phone. I have it highlighted on my iPad. Okay, I have it highlighted because it's such an important text. And then his dad says, um, he needs to have it highlighted in his mind. Highlighted in his mind. Okay, these very famous promises we need to memorize. Okay, because I don't always have this Bible with me. I'm not walking around at work, you know, with this Bible when things get tough to bring up a promise. No, but if I have it right here, boom, there it goes. All right, what does it say? Not let your heart or let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So God doesn't want us to be troubled about anything. The thing that he wants is trust in him. You believe in me, believe in God. My father's house, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Can God lie? I asked again. No, he cannot. Okay, so if there weren't many rooms up there, many mansions up there for us, he would have not told us about it. But he's telling us, I go to prepare a place for you. Where's Jesus Christ? Is he here on earth? Some crazy person might say, oh, yeah, he's over there or I am. But no, we have by the Bible that he's in heaven. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. So the invitation is to everybody, all refugees, we all are, all immigrants, we all are, all migrants, we all are. Revelations. 21, towards the end of that book, verses 1 through 4. Okay, so Jesus told his disciples and us today, his disciples, that he's gone to prepare a place for us. But now John is looking into the future and he sees, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city. New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And that is what immigrants and refugees and migrants go through. Okay, they're in sorrow. They're in pain. They're distraught. Okay, even some of them have witnessed death of their loved ones. But God one day is going to rid the world, this earth, of all of that. So, with our refugee status, what do we do as we wait for the promise? As we wait for the promise. The answer to this reminds me of Apostle Paul venture on the rough, tumultuous sea, an eventual shipwreck equated to this world, okay? So they were traveling on the ship, going to Rome, okay? He told them not to go, but they wanted to go anyway. You know how you got a type? A type of personality is they're leaders of anything. They don't look, they don't look at danger. It's just a, hey, this is the time. According, looking at the schedule, that's when it says we have to go. Like an icy storm I went through one time. I won't mention that. Um, but they can get you in trouble. Having those kind of people as leaders that don't logically think, and this is what happens to Paul and them. But the angel of the Lord came to him in the night in a vision and told him, hey, everybody's going to be safe, but they got to stay with the ship. Tossed back and forth. You guys ever been on the sea? The middle of the ocean? Anybody? Okay. It's not, it doesn't get calm like, you know, Lake Ray Hubbard here. Talking about waves crashing over the ship, rocking the ship up and down. You go down and all you see is a wall of water. You come up the next side and then all you see is a wall of water going down. Shipwreck. But God kept his promise. I asked you for a third time, does God lie? No, he does not. The angel of the Lord told them that they were all going to be saved, but they had to stay with the ship. So this is God's command. He will do for our lives at this time if we stay with the ship. The ship is the church. Okay, so you might be a refugee to another church. Right? Because of something that happened in one church. War among the brethren. Famine of the word. Okay? Because I know I lost a, a member of our Spanish Sabbath school class because the preacher was not preaching about the second coming enough. So famine of the word. Went to another church. Okay? But the thing is, stay with the church. The Seventh-day Adventist church. Okay? We have God's light to this world at this time. If you try to get out, you are jumping into a tumultuous sea. You see it on the news, okay, all the time. What does the world have for us? Okay. Last week, people thought that they could go to Walmart. I mean, everybody loves Walmart. When we first got to to Texas from Puerto Rico, and I heard of, at that time, it was called Hypermark. Here in Garland, 
Huge store. I said, what is this? Is this the warehouse or something? No, it was Hypermart, Walmart. Go in there and, hey, we're going to go grocery shop. Oh, Sandra, guess what? They got toys down there for the kids. Oh, man, look at this cheap clothes they have over here. Hey, they have stuff for the lawn. Everything. Okay, so people go to Walmart, right? Just a, you know, peaceful day at Walmart. And then it gets shot up at Walmart. Come on, Lord, have mercy on us. We have nothing in this world. The world has nothing for us. The politicians cannot protect you. Your neighbor cannot protect you. The church can't even protect you. They come in and shoot up churches nowadays. The only one that can protect us is Jesus Christ. Even if something does happen to us, okay, what does the Bible says? That fear him not who destroys the body. And I'm finding that out every week, the older I get. Okay, the body. But he who can destroy the soul. And that is if you do not accept, if you do not choose Christ, okay, your soul is destroyed. Because if you don't accept him, you don't trust him. You're calling him a liar. And there will be no liars in heaven. So our duty while we wait is to stay in the ship, which is the church. My favorite text, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he which began a good work in you. Has God began a good work in you? If he has not, pray right now that he will start it right now. Because our God is awesome. Okay, the way that he has brought us. Not just the church, but us individually. So he has begun a good work in you. We'll perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So my appeal. Stand if you wish special prayer for power to stay in the Seventh-day Adventist church no matter what happens outside of it. Stand if you witness this good news to other human refugees, if you want to witness this good news to other refugees. Stand if you want to prepare and you are preparing for the second coming of Jesus Christ, when we will finally be rid of our refugee status. If you will stand now, according to those three um, appeals. If you want to stay in the Seventh-day Adventist church, to have power to do that. If you want to witness the good news of this salvation to other refugees. And if you are preparing for the second coming of Jesus Christ, pray in your mind with me as I have closing prayer. Lord God, we are sinners. Forgive us our trespasses. We thank you, God, for giving us your son to redeem us from our sins. And Satan's grasp on us. We're in bondage, Lord. We are not free, but you can deliver us. This was the mission of Jesus Christ as proclaimed in Isaiah and that he also proclaimed and opened of his ministry when he was in the sanctuary that day. 
We claim your promise that you would keep us until the day of Christ's second coming. We look forward to that day when you will finally redeem us home. In Jesus' name, amen.